or not, during the day I have a day job and I'm affectionately known as the Medicare lady. But every Wednesday morning at 11 a.m., I become your host for Tampa Bay Politics and talk to the people who you may not get a chance to talk to, but who affect your life greatly. And today... We are so graced to have in our presence one of our city councilmen, Mr. Goods, Orlando Goods. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me. I love the music. Mr. <laughs> Goods. All right. Well, you know what? Whoever comes and sits in the hot seat, the first thing we ask them is, where were you born? How did you get started in life? Well, it's easy for me. I was born right here in Tampa, Florida, uh, born and raised uh, went to local public high schools here at Tampa Bay, Texas, where I graduated from. Uh, went on to uh, college down at Florida Memorial, uh, and then left there with the Bethune-Cookman College. Bethune-Cookman, what you oh, major yeah. in over there? Business administration. Uh, you know, uh, I always wanted to uh, kind of, I loved Cookman. I always wanted to go there, but I had an opportunity to go to Historical Black College. Uh, play some baseball. It didn't work out there, so I left. So you were uh, an athlete? Oh, yeah. So I left okay. there, and then uh, it just it changed my life being at a predominantly black school. You really learn how to hustle and how to be independent because you got to make it. Okay. You know, my family didn't have a lot, so, you know, I had to work. I had to make it. And uh, What did your parents do? My dad was a truck driver. Okay. My mom went to Temple General Hospital, you know, and I had other siblings, too. So, you know, we had a big family. So How many of you? It's a total of five of us. Okay. Okay. So, you know, I mean, uh, I learned a lot being away from home. And then when I, my mother got a little sick, uh, and my uh, great aunt, who ra- kind of raised us as well, she passed away, so I had to come back home. And so, Your mother uh, or your great aunt? My great aunt. Okay. Who ra- kind of raised me and my mom. So okay. uh, I, came, I came back home, and uh, everybody wasn't doing well, so I said, I'm going to take a semester off. So while I was taking that semester off at Cookman, uh, I got a job at uh, Tampa General Hospital. Okay. And, uh, you know, I was uh, a good guy over at, uh, in Daytona at Halifax Medical Center when I was doing a lot of orthopedic work with a lot of the doctors. So I said, well, I'll just get a quick little job because I had the experience of orthopedics. And then one day I was just sitting at the nurse's station debating what I was going to do. And Sandy Freeman came on the uh, t- TV monitor saying that she was going to be hiring 101 minority officers. Really? So I kept looking at what the salary was. I said, well, is this something I want to do? So one day I just left the nurse's station. I sat after seeing it a couple of times, went down to City Hall, old City Hall, filled out an application, and um, I got was chosen to be a police officer in the city of Tampa. Wow. What year was that? That was back in like 89. 1989. Yeah. That's the year I came to Tampa from uh, 1990, yeah. New York. Because it takes a while through the process. Well, 1990. Okay. Uh, got sworn in, uh, doing police work during that time. I finished my, uh, my educational uh, career. Went to uh, St. Louis, uh, Louis University, was St. Leo College at that time. Finished out, got a degree. In, St. Louis, uh, St. Leo University is a great school and is in my son's alma mater. So I uh, got a degree from there, then went on to get a uh, master's degree from National Louis University. Okay, okay. And uh, that worked out well for me because it, it gave over some other opportunities business-wise for me, some things we were doing with my family, uh, with my brother, with the, the, our funeral home business. It's at 42nd Hills Brave in the Goods Funeral Home. And, uh, you know, just, so uh, that funeral home with the name Goods on it belongs to your family. That's correct. <laughs> that is All correct. right, then. So, uh, you know, uh, what I tell people, uh, I've been blessed. Uh, I, I, if I left this world today, I can say God gave me everything I asked for. 
Wow. I, I can truly say that, you know, uh, you know, as you know, I, I ran for office. Uh, well, let's retirement. talk a little bit about your work as a police officer. We don't want to <laughs> skip over that. How many years did you spend there? Uh, 26 years. 26 years. That's impressive. So I think uh, everybody knew me in every community, I would say. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was, uh, I was you know, doing a lot of coaching with PAL at the time, a lot of youth programs. I was a police officer. What does PAL all. stand for? Police Athletic League. Okay. So, you know, uh, it gave me the opportunity to meet a lot of people, to understand culture of people, okay. to understand people in general from uh, all walks of life. So uh, I think that was a, a good blessing, again, to be able to be able to deal with people and have compassion for people. Uh, you know, everybody's different, and you have to be able to work with everybody to get an understanding of them. Of course, the police are big in the news right now. Um, how do you feel about um, what police have to deal with every day? Well, I think, you know, you have to look at uh, the dynamics of policing. You know, I look at culture, and I say it all the time uh, in my other job uh, on Thursdays, uh, I've talked about it before. You know, to be a police officer, you need to understand people and understand cultures of people. Right. You 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 can't live in a place like Avila all your life and never have interacted with other people, and then you get thrown into an area that you've always been told has been bad or have bad people. Right. And then because a lot of times the officers are just plain scared. Goes to my next point. I I, I say fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember the fear, uh, uh, the fear factor. I don't care what anybody says. Everyone has a fear. Okay, who you are, you have a fear. But a lot of times when you're dealing with police, a lot of times they haven't interacted with people, especially black and brown people. people. And when you look at, I always use the analogy of Hispanic people. Hispanic people talk with their hands. Mm-hmm. And some folks might think they're being aggressive, but they're not aggressive. That's just right. the way they communicate. Right. Uh, so I think learning uh, how to understand culture. And I tell people, we, with the police department, it has to go be with inside the house. We have to change the culture inside the house mm-hmm. to be able to help outside. I think that's a big part of policing is understanding culture and getting that fear factor out of some officers. And the thing is, a lot of officers, white, Caucasian, they only deal with the low element. They don't they don't deal with black people who are professional. Every time they approach a black a black person, hey, this could be a criminal. This could be a drug dealer. This could be, you know. I got to have my 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 guns my guns drawn and I got to get ready for action. This is a black person. Again, it's culture. Yes. Yes. So they treat all black people the same. You unfortunately. Know, I, I, and I tell people I said, uh, you know, even as a police officer, I've been pulled over and then I when I identify, I say some buzzwords it's like the attitude kind of changes. He, mm-hmm. he he's he's not a regular black guy per se. He's He's, he's in a different category, so now I back off and let me ask a little kind of different questions now. Mm-hmm. And that, that's happened. I mean, it's happened to, you know, I know a lot of uh, uh, other public officials. I know other uh, uh, police commanders that's happened to them, too. It's just, oh yeah, it's, it's yeah. a nature that you've got to change. And uh, I'm hoping that uh, with a lot of things that are happening, that and with the federal government stepping in, the new attorney general, hopefully we can start getting these cultural changes within the departments changed to be uh, better police agencies. Well, we do have an attorney general who's going to be working on some of these uh, agencies. Uh, so far, Tampa's not on the list. How do you feel about the Tampa Police Department? I think overall we have a good police department, but a person who's been inside the house, there are some challenges. Okay. I hear things all day from other officers. There, there are still some issues that we need to fix up within the, in the department. Uh, you know, Again, I, I, I talk about culture. Culture is still an issue that you have to address within. I hear it all the time. Uh, you know, uh, and, and again, uh, me, community policing is the best method of doing that. 
and we have to have a, a better mechanism of doing that. So, you know, we have a good department. I've never taken anything away from them, but I still know in reality, a person who's been in the house, we still have some challenges that we've got to overcome. Now, do you feel that enough minorities are coming into the department? No. Uh, I've addressed that a couple of times uh, at council in reference to that. Uh, we, we've got to go places we haven't gone before. We just can't, and I use this now, we, we just can't say, well, we, we've gone to FAMU. Yeah, FAMU is a great school. I'm, I'm a I'm a I'm a, a little Cookman guy. I'm a Wildcat. So there's there are other schools, and we have, we may have to look at going outside the state to some of these other schools. Some of these athletes who are not going to be making it professionally mm-hmm. target some of these people too. Uh, you know, then again, you always look at um, the the background or polygraph situation. I hear people fail out. We we having some discussions about that as well because a lot of people say they, they fail out because of the polygraph and trying to figure out why is that. Um, I have my own perception of why is that, but I'm going to wait and see what. So every you know. officer has to take a polygraph. Absolutely. Oh, Background okay. Polygraph. Okay. And so, you know, you know, it's kind of hard to find a, a black male who hasn't been around marijuana, who, who oh, hasn't, see. you know, may have puffed or just some other things or may have gotten a traffic ticket. And I've had this discussion with the mayor as well, uh, who may have gotten a traffic uh, ticket or a couple. Would I a mean, traffic ticket not uh, get Yeah, Yeah. You know, they say it's a high liability area. If you had uh, uh, some traffic tickets, two or three traffic tickets that knocks you out. But I don't think that should exclude you. I know as I know some police officers myself. When I was running out of town, I got a traffic ticket. Okay. So it's a human nature. Some people do get a traffic tickets. I don't right. think that should exclude you. That the being a character uh, uh, person. Uh, okay, you, you you sped. I mean, it happens. I mean, that's a, we we get left foot sometimes, and it happens. Uh, uh, I can see if you some reckless driving. There's also speed days. traps. Exactly. So I I think we have to look at some of the criteria of hiring because then it excludes a lot of other communities, uh, cultures from being able to be police Absolutely. officers. So I just think that we have to look at why they're being excluded. A little forgiveness. To change help. the practice. So that's why I look at that. All right. So at, at some point along the way, you actually retired from police work, that's right? That's correct. Okay. And then how long after that did you decide to run for office? Right after, uh, I got a phone call from some friends and said, listen, there's going to be a special election in District 7, up where, where, you're, where you live at. And, Why was it special? Uh, well, what happened was Lisa Monteleone went to go run for state representative. I see. And it became a special election okay. in 2016. And I was retiring in 2016. So they said, as soon as you retire, you need to get in that race and, okay. and learn politics and learn uh, about council and learn about how to do a, a, a run. Okay. So I, I got in that race with uh, one of my colleagues today, Mr. Louis Vieira, Councilman Vieira. Oh, it was I a, see. It was a great race. It was a bunch of us in that race. It was a great, a great race. I learned a lot uh, by running, uh, especially how to raise money, uh, how to uh, engage people in a different perspective, um, and really listen to some of the things people want your politicians to do. Uh, so uh, I lost. And Luis Vieira won. Luis Vieira won. Saying he's still on the council. On the council. So we're like best friends from the. I mean, I, and what I can say about Mr. Vieira, uh, he's always been a friend then and now. Okay. Because when it was over, he reached out and we still were being friends that whole time. Okay. And then when uh, my, my goal was to always run when Frank Reddick's time was up in District 5, where I'm born and raised at. Okay. So uh, that opportunity came. I jumped in the District 5 race in 2019. Okay. Uh, I got in a runoff. I won the runoff election, and I'm in. The Who did you have a runoff with? Mr. Jeffrey Rhodes of uh, Jeffrey Rhodes, mm-hmm. okay, funeral director. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
All right. And then, um, so that was 2019. Mm-hmm. You've been on the um, the board since then, on yes. the council. Going into our third year will be uh, this Thursday. Okay. Congratulations to you. Thank now, you. H- how is elected life for you? I, I, to me, I don't see the difference of being a police officer myself because for me, it's always people Serving call you. Serving the people. People call you mm-hmm. and you have to respond and you have to give them answers and you got to make, you got to fix things. Okay. Uh, sometimes in government, I can't fix them as fast, but I make sure that I get them in touch with the people and that make sure help. I follow up and then try to my best to do. I always tell people in the diocese, and a lot of my council members say it now because I, I, I started this, this saying, don't ever tell me what you can't do. Tell me what you can do. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of been the motto of our council now. Don't tell us what you can't do, but what can you do? A lot of times you can't be, it can't be a perfect fix, but something is better than nothing to get the ball moving. True. Now, who are you sitting on the city council with? I sit on what I call the legend. Uh, that's just the Charlie <laughs> Miranda. Everybody knows him. He I know. Is, he How is long has Mr. Miranda been around? Oh, man, for decades. I mean, I mean <laughs> decades. But, you know, I look to him for wisdom all the time. I mean, he has it, you know. You know, he's the one who made it that you can uh, run by um, petition. If you don't have the money. You can still run for office by getting your petition signed. And I qualify by petition, by the way. You did. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And I, I tell you, you know, uh, he's a very smart man. Um, and, and everyone knows he's Charlie. And you pretty much know how Charlie's going to vote because you, 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 I mean, he's pretty, pretty, pretty strange to know how he's going to do things. And uh, I like him a lot. Uh, and my good friend, John Dingfelder, who we work together in the uh, school And this system. is his second time, right? John's run, been on the council before. Uh, I mean, he's... He's a whip. I mean, he, he reads everything and he dissects it all. I mean, mm. you, you learn a lot. I've learned a lot from him, how to look at certain buzzwords and things in government. Uh, I mean, he's just, he's just a great guy. Then we have Bill Carson, first time elected as well, uh, representing uh, District uh, 4, South Tampa area. Okay. Then, of course, you have Mr. Louis Vieira, and then you have uh, Guido Maniscalco. Uh, okay. The, we call him the young, the young one, but he's a, he's a great guy. He's a chairman now. He's done a great job during the COVID times, okay. and he's been a great leader. Uh, Is he uh, citywide? He's no district district six. He has West Tampa, a portion West of West Tampa, a portion oh, okay. of West Tampa. All right. Believe it or not, we're um, close to the end of our first segment. Oh, okay. Yes. So we learned a lot about you. Now we're going to learn about what's going on in Tampa. I hear you. <laughs> a lot going on. Tampa is not easy. Okay. Hey, this is Agent Wright, better known as Mr. Clean. You looking for some great barbecues? Come see them two brothers in the grill. Located at 423 Virginia Street, Charleston, West Virginia. We got ribs, chicken, pulled pork, brisket, collard greens, mac and cheese, baby. Come get some and get you a nice smooth cigar. 304-550-4431. That is 304-550-4431. Come get some, baby. The Rib Man, Mama, the Rib Man. Call in and tell a friend to listen in. Listen up. It's In Touch Radio, reality radio. Talking to, well, number one, you're listening to Tampa Bay Politics with Angela Birdsong. And our guest today is Councilman Orlando Goods. I love this music. <laughs> it's very uh, political. 
We have a great female engineer. Her name is Anna. She got the show rolling. Okay. So you know what? There's some things going on in the community. There's a lady named uh, Connie Burton who mentions her name quite a bit. She's the president of the East Tampa CRA. And she seems to think that the money is not going in the right places that Orlando Goods is spending. Oh, wow. (laughs) I didn't know that, you know. Well, let's 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 get the acronyms correct. Let's get the positions correct. All right. Uh, I am the uh, the uh, we have uh, what we call the community redevelopment agency. I'm the chairman of the community redevelopment agency. Okay. So all city council members are there, but we take a different role when it comes to CRA. Then you have what we call a community advisory committee. Again, it's a community I advisory see. committee. Okay. And Miss Burden was elected uh, through an election process as the chairwoman. Uh, uh, she was elected to be on the board, and then she got elected to be the chairwoman for the CAC, which again is the Community Advisory Committee. Okay. And that board is a co- advisory committee only. They make recommendations that come from who I call the client. And the clients are the neighborhood associations, presidents, and members of the neighborhood. I see. And there's quite a few neighborhood quite associations. Quite a few in East Tampa. Uh, and then you have the business community, the business Now, let's go over some of those um, neighborhoods that are represented there. Uh, you have Jackson Heights, which is very strong. You have uh, College Hill. You've got uh, Rainbow Heights. You've got uh, Southeast Seminole Heights. You have VM Ebor. You have East Ebor. Uh, you have uh, Hillsborough Heights. You have Grant Park. You have a lot of neighborhood associations. And, and a lot of those areas are going through regentrification. Somewhat, somewhat. Uh, and we, we can get into that after I tell okay. you about the process. Okay. Uh, th- those neighborhood associations and those business owners, they what's what we call tax incremental dollars, TIF dollars. Okay. And those dollars come from the city, the county, and the port. The tax dollars from the property owners and business property owners. That's where those dollars come from. So if you buy a soda, you buy some grass, you buy any of the products – those tax dollars do not go into this fund. Okay. This fund is merely come from tax property owners' money. Okay. And per the law. And you either have to be a business or you have to be a homeowner. That's correct. That's okay. where that money comes from. Okay. So that money does not go into the city of Tampa's general fund. So that money is supposed to be utilized per the law to be able to do redevelopment and infrastructure improvements for that community. And then that community tells the CAC, which is the Community Advisory Committee, what they want in their neighborhood and how they want to spend their money. Okay. And now the Community Advisory Committee, they analyze it, staff, and they put that all together. And then they submit that proposal, whatever, to me, the CRA, the Community uh, Redevelopment Agency. And then my board then approves or disapproves the project, depending on what it is and the circumstances. Okay. Now, Ms. Connie is a great activist for our community, and she brings a lot of good points at times. But it's like anything, when I became a city council, I had to learn the process. Yes. I had to learn. a lot to learn. A lot to learn. Especially in a city the size of Tampa. You better believe it. So you have to learn the process and learn how it works. So I think now, uh, Ms. Burden, I think she's kind of getting the idea of how it's supposed to work because I believe she her intentions were good because she believed, I'm helping the people. Yes. But you have to understand, uh, some of the people, that money is not all the people's money. That money 
comes directly from property owners' money in that particular fund. And they have the right to say what they want done with their money because it's their money and they want their neighborhoods clean. They want the roundabouts. They want nice things in their community. They you, want those they, roundabouts, they want huh? them. Back before I was, I was a council member, the neighborhood associations, they're the ones who put, put on the agenda to get roundabouts. Really? They love them. They wanted them. Those neighborhoods wanted them because they wanted beautification in the neighborhood. Roundabouts bring on beautification in the neighborhoods. They do? They do. You look at some of the other areas. You look at some of the suburban areas. They all have roundabouts. The roundabouts. Okay. And they wanted them. And so the deal was the DF dot came in because they were going to clean up 34th Street, and FDOT paid for that to be done. Then what happened was FDOT said, for the beautification purposes, okay. will the CRA use dollars to do the beautification of flowers or any type of murals in those uh, roundabouts? Well, at that particular time, the board, at that particular time, and the neighborhood associates said that's what they wanted. Oh, I see. So now when I became chairman, it became an issue, stop the roundabouts. Why well, can't stop a project that's already been done and going down the road and then Furthermore, the business owners on 34th Street, the business owners, sold their property, their right-of-ways to FDOT in the city to be able to do the roundabouts and oh redevelop 34th Street. So how can I, the new councilman, come in when these they folks say, stop are it. Hey, stop, stop. I can't <laughs> do that. When the property owners, again, the property owners, the business owners sold their property to have this done. And that's how the roundabouts uh, came, about. came about the okay. projects is almost completed so you have to know the facts people can talk but you have to get the facts and i brought the facts out when i got on city council asking who was involved in this and i asked miss jean duck at the time how do we obtain this property and she's so totally on camera the property owners and the business owners on 34th street wanted to sell their property for the project Okay. Period. Now, Connie doesn't seem to think that beautification should be the number one thing the money is spent on. Mm, well, I tell you what, when I when people tell me, Councilman, we want a grocery store. We want Applebee's. We want this and that. But you know what those people tell me? What? You got to clean your neighborhood up. Oh, I see. We want Publix. Well, Publix won't come because Publix says you got to clean your neighborhood up. And Publix says that. Does the, clean also mean safe? Oh, yeah. Clean, safe, looking good. You got to kind of clean the place up. Right. So I got to clean the place up. I got to make sure that these, these, these lots are mowed. These houses that are condemned to have, uh, uh, that, that have squatters, people living in, get them boarded up. There's a lot of work that has to be done to clean up our neighborhood. That's why I focus so much on rehab. I've been talking about that from day one when I got in office. I had a housing symposium, if you recall, at Young Middle Magnet School. Okay. Talking about housing, talking about rehab. Rehab has to be the number one goal in East Tampa and throughout the city and some of our marginalized communities. My thing is that the city's per- current rehab program doesn't really work for everybody because the re- requirements are so stringent. Okay, so when we're talking about rehab, someone has a house, it's dilapidated. It needs work. They can't afford it. That's rehab. That's rehab. That's they can rehab. go to the city of Tampa. Go to the city of Tampa. And say, apply. I need money to rehab my they house. Can go, there's a process. They can apply. The criteria is very stringent. I found out. I talk about that all the time. They're going to ask you 20 questions. They're oh, going to say, hey. you know, have you ever been in bankruptcy? They'll ask you Do a you bunch have? of questions. Yes. But now there's, a, there's a, a, a puzzle that now. The CR, the CAC, the neighborhood associations are saying they want rehab done in their community. So now, because you can, you have a pot of money, you now can take that pot of money in the CRA zone, which is East Tampa, 
and now have your own criteria or whatever, and now take some of that money and start doing rehab in those communities, which I've been saying, and I've always already instructed the director, Ms. Van Long, to get a specialized person who deals strictly only with East Tampa to deal with the East Tampa issues of housing and rehab. So we've been working on that. So you have to understand the process to get the ball rolling. Okay. So rehab is one issue because you have people who are in their homes and the homes are falling down. Then you got the people who need a home. All right. Now let's talk about that. Okay. Now, I talked to the, well, first when I came on city council, I talked about communication. The chief of staff is doing a great job now to try to boost up the communication systems in, these, in all throughout the city so people can know about the programs the city do, does have. City does have a lot of programs, but okay. a lot of people don't know about those programs. That is true. A lot of programs. And so you can get money, uh, get into those uh, first home time uh, uh, programs to get a So first time home buyer. First time home buyer. And uh, they can get down payment assistance. Okay. Or the CRA in East Tampa also has home buyer money that you can get some of that money. So you can get up to probably about $80,000 in, in home assistance. Are you saying eight zero? Eight zero. Wow. The CRA can get about 50000 The city can get about 30000 That's $80,000 possible you can be granted. If to, you want to live in the city of Tampa. If you want to live in the city of Tampa. Or the, but the East Tampa money, you only can get that money if you live in East Tampa okay. from the CRA money. Okay. But in the, the CRA money, uh, you know, I, I've told them develop, can develop their own, which they did, develop their own criteria, which is not as stringent. You know, and that way you'll be able to, to do to those get things. More so now people say, involved. well, the, the housing cost is so much, it's so much. Well, if you go and you be a part of those programs, you can take that down payment money. It may not be, you may not qualify for all the 80, right. but you may be able to get a substantial amount to be able to qualify, get that money, put on a down payment on a house. Your down payment mortgage goes down. Now you can afford to live in that house. True. And then people have to understand, you have to have mixed income living in East Tampa, you cannot just say we want to have these these, these uh, 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 and houses. It's so expensive now. You're not going to get a sixty, seventy thousand house built. That ain't happening, right? That's not happening this day and age. We're talking more like two, three hundred minimum. So, so now you have to look at these programs to be able to help those who might not be making that that high level job to be able to get them into those those houses. And that's what we have to do. I mean, it's it's hard, but I I can't change that rule. I can't change the housing market. I don't have that power to do. You True. know. So all I can do is try to make sure we can have some, some programs developed to help those at that bottom tier to be able to be homeowners, you know, and be able to get into a, a nice place. But you got to have mixed level income in the community to change the dynamics of a community. You can't just say we want to be a poor community and just have substandard housing or have these low market housing because it just continues to bring on blight. But you say you want to look like other communities. Well, to look like other communities, we got to do other things to change that paradigm and look like other communities. That's right. And um, the thing is, I think the people are just so frustrated they because are. they cannot afford to live. Well, I made a motion uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, in reference. I want to know what the city's policy was. I want to know the difference between what I you know, use this word uh, affordable housing. Yes. I can't stand that word. I can't stand it because your affordable, her affordable, my affordable are all different affordables. Right. But you look, you look this one word affordable. Then you come in, you say, no, it's workforce housing, councilman, workforce. Well, tell me what workforce is. Oh, it's your fireman, your, your, your school teacher, your, your nurse. Those folks can afford a house. They can afford a house. Mm-hmm. You can't, and most of those are people are married. So don't tell me that's workforce. So then they have two incomes. So don't tell me that. Now, the custodian maybe, the aide or the D's attendant, 
the person at Walmart. So that's why I asked them to define what that is. I want to know what I call, I don't like that word low income. We need to change that paradigm. It needs to be something like essential worker. Yes. Essential housing. If you make $40,000 a year, uh, Angela, and I make thirty nine, but I don't get my raise for another two years. Well, I'm lumped down way down here, but I'm not really low income. I'm just in a category that I'm lumped in. Mm-hmm. So I, I think we need to look at what is essential housing is, what is essential worker, what is a workforce worker, and what is an essential, what is a workforce what workforce housing. You have to define those two definitions, and I think now we'll get a clear road of what we need to be to help people. And um, the developers just don't want to build for essential workers. That's the whole thing. They're not trying to. I, I had a guy come in. Councilman, I got a great plan. Workforce housing. Yeah, what is that? He goes to explain. I said, what do you mean that is not workforce? Well, I got, I got 220-something units, but I'm going to do 20 of going to be uh, 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 affordable. 20 out of 220? I, I just shake my head. I know, because the people cannot afford to live. Now, I will say, uh, again, people were, uh, were talking about the project on 37th and Hillsborough that you see it's going up. Oh, okay. we, crane in it. we need that. That is going to be essential for our senior citizens. I see. That's going to be a great project. That's going to be a great project. Okay. I spoke to the developer personally because I was getting so many phone calls. You're going to move people. No, they're not. They're going to be able to help people in our community. Uh, There's a list. They're going to be able to get them in there. Uh, Those apartments. How many units? Do you know? I can't remember the number of the units, but okay. I know that one bedroom or studio is going to be like four hundred something bucks, five hundred oh, bucks. Oh, wonderful! Uh, two bedrooms going to be something like six or seven hundred bucks, something like that. So it's affordable in that category for those seniors, which who need that. Yes. So it's going to be a great project. The amenities are going to be beautiful there. I've seen the design. Uh, I, I I then had uh, made a call to State Room to Diane Hart and said you need to get this gentleman on your show and let him explain the project to the people. She had him on the show. He explained the project. Okay. All right, we'll be back in a minute. comes to reality radio everyone is a star i know that's right on your smooth soul and r&b station on the world wide web access, access granted. granted in touch radio you're playing your favorite old school of jazz you're listening to in touch radio by now we're all aware of the dangers of covid19 like others with existing health issues cancer patients are at a high risk due to their compromised condition if you are newly diagnosed with cancer your care likely can't wait Moffitt Cancer Center is the best place for your cancer concerns and to provide guidance to help you plan your next steps. We're here for you. Call 1-888-456-2839 or go to moffitt.org slash here for you. All right, we are back having a conversation with Councilman Orlando Good. So happy he took the time. Now, you know, people not need to be able to afford to pay for homes. They need good paying jobs. And we want to talk about apprenticeships. Right up my alley. Okay. So there I've been hearing that the city council and the board of county commission want 
the developers to give them to um, have a program with union apprenticeships. Now, can you tell me what's going on with that? You know, we had some of the, uh, I think it's the Tampa Bay Builders Association. They they were really fighting us on those issues about apprenticeship program. They thought that we were somehow was going to just take over some way or somehow. And I'm like, this is great for everybody to have everybody being knowledgeable in a skill. Yes. Uh, you know, I always say the school system failed us. And they failed us because they brought in this magnet concept. Mm. Everybody ain't going to college. So you take away all these programs in the schools, but people are still building. You still need a plumber. You still need yeah. an electrician. You still need certain essential stuff to live every day. And people still. There's a guy named uh, Reeves Plumbing. He learned in high school. You're still, and you, you know, I, I went to Tampa Bay Tech. So I know all about my friends who, are ref- who do refrigeration. Yes. I mean, welding, AC work. You need Woodworking. The, you need these these jobs, these, these these folks in these positions to do work. They pay well. My nephew's and a painter And you can become now. an entrepreneur? Oh, my nephew, he was a perfect example. Painted my mom's house. I saw it one day. Who did that? Your nephew? Come paint my house. He's painted several of my friends, school teachers, principals, houses. He's got his own little business going on now. Yes. Now he makes a killing now just painting houses every week. So there is an opportunity. Uh, you know, I talked about that. Again, what I see our, our, our CRA in East Tampa, I said uh, we needed to develop with a rehab program. Those guys, I call those guys that, uh, the, the tree guys, the guys hang out under the tree. I need they to hang know, out where? Under the tree. Those are those my friends that hang out under the tree okay. all day long. They have who, nothing, who, to do. Who, nothing to do or, or they can't get a job because of the background. I see. Because of the background. So now let's see if we could have some outsource work to where we say we have a rehab program. And now we look at some of these nonprofits who could probably hire these folks. Say, okay, you hire these folks. Get your builders, whoever, what are you doing, rehab, whatever. And now you get those folks money to the tree. Now you can pay those guys to start learning a skill. Some, the light's going to come on from somebody. I can do this. Yes. I can paint. I can weld. I can lay cut. I can do and this. And guess what? If you work for yourself, you don't have to go through hey, a background check. I'll, your own business. So... Tallahassee tries to always intervene in local politics. Okay, what is Tallahassee saying about apprenticeships? They want to try to get a home rule uh, about apprenticeships. Uh, you know, anything that cities and counties say that's going to help the people sometimes. You have the big money come, people come and say, hey, pump the brakes. We can't do that. They're going to stop us from making money. going to stop us from making money. We gotta go get to our. I just don't go get understand. To our, our legislation and stop this. So we gotta go. We gotta go lobby these guys to stop it. I do not understand what their problem is in Tallahassee with apprenticeships. You have to understand the the, the mindset of people. If people become educated, or people have money, they become powerful. Their mind change especially those in marginalized communities, because it's what I call a poverty mentality sometimes. So now if I educate them, or they become educated, or now they have money that now they can do things with, change their mindset, believe in voting now, go vote. Well, All we, of a sudden you have African-American elected officials hey. when, when black people vote. Hey, well, you, well, you have... People that have a mindset of doing for people and not just doing for money changes. That's true. And now 
you're going to hurt our pockets now. If all these people become educated or can all can well all can do these things, that could be a problem. It, that could be a problem now. If you, you if now you if now you know that you hanging on the tree ain't a good thing. And hey, I'm 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 doing this. I'm I'm, I'm being a business. Now I'm going to probably pull some other friends of mine to pull up. They believe in me. I did it. I did it. So I'm, I'm going to go see. Oh, you know, oh, did I'm going to see if O can help me out. That's how, that's how the world works. Yes. That's what I tell people. People don't like being around a fool. They don't. But that's all they know, all they have. But until somebody breaks the chain or somebody comes into the circle and says, man, you guys are fools. I make this. I do this. I do this right. I do this legal. I do this here. And now somebody said, well, they ain't going to say it around the fools. They're going to wait. And, hey, oh, do, do now, could I get it be that uh, they don't want black people or brown people in the union to get those union jobs? Could be all kind of things. I mean, we know racism exists. That ain't, you know, I mean, that's just the way it is. I'm trying to figure out what are they? Why is uh, Tallahassee trying to stop apprenticeships? And they're trying to stop it on the city council. They're trying to stop it at Hillsborough County Board of Commission. What? I, I, I'm, I'm flabbergasted over it. S- somebody always wants to be king. So if I have a a bunch of kings who's in charge. Somebody always wants to be in charge. Everybody can't be in charge. That's why you have to have pick your leaders because some leaders don't want anybody else to lead. And uh, I guess we're learning uh, for, uh, with, with what's going on in Tallahassee with voter suppression. That's a joke. With ri- with a riot bill, they cannot they can run uh, protesters over with cars now and be, get away with it. Put slap some felony charges on protesters. Okay, so those people who are protesting are usually marginalized people. That's right. So they can't vote if they have a felony. That's right. A lot of things they can't do if they have a felony. No, I, you know, again, I, I don't believe in burning down buildings. I don't believe in harming other people when you're protesting. I believe in peaceful protesting. Yes. I believe you can get out there, rah, rah, rah. I don't believe in throwing bottles, hitting somebody in the head because I could hit somebody else. Who, right. So I don't believe in that type of violence. But I do believe of good protesting about you, what you what you want action about, being, at the, being in front of a courthouse, being in front of my building, whatever. I have no problem. You have the right to express your opinion at that particular time if you're upset about something. Now, we can agree to disagree. Well, the governor says if it's three or more, it could be a riot. Yeah, I don't know about all that, but I mean, I've been, and you I've can been get in, charged I've, with I've, felony. I've been in riots. So I don't know about that. He ain't been in a riot. I don't I think he's been in a riot, but I mean, I, I've been in a riot before, so I don't. I don't know, but I'm just telling you, uh, some of that is wrong. But that's, that's just to suppress the people. Whenever you suppress people, people, other people stay on top, and you have to understand how uh, politics are works. You have to see how how other communities work. You know, I mean, you have to look at the last president we had. You know, you, you get you get a lot of this NIMBY symbol, symbolize, uh, symbolizations, I don't, not in my backyard. You know, you don't want this, you don't want that. So, a- again, you, you have to look the way things are and hope that you can get people in office. But, again, I had a guy the other day talking about, was talking about voting. Uh, and I, what I tell people, if black people go vote, you can win. But if you don't go vote and you complain... I don't want to hear you talk to me. Don't That's come true. Near, don't come near me. As a matter of fact, when is your next election? 2023. 23. Okay. Now, you know what? I find a lot of people, they vote during the presidential, but they do not vote during midterms. They don't understand. <laughs> the local is 
more important than anything. But again, I tell people, don't you complain about the disease if you don't want the cure. So if you're complaining, the first one I ask you, did you vote? And when you tell me no, I turn my back and walk away because you are part of the problem. Now, if Tallahassee is trying to make it harder for you to vote, especially by mail and by uh, ballot drop boxes, there must be a reason why they don't want black and brown people to vote. I don't care what the reason is. If you go, they can't win. Take your t- if you go and take your time, because you've got several days, 14 days, you've had to go vote. So there's no reason why you could tell me why you couldn't take the time to vote. You have it on the weekends. So I don't care how busy you are, you can stop in at the library or fill out a ballot that comes to your house and, and sends it back, send it back. So that, to me, there's no excuse not to vote. Now, what's going to have to happen is everybody who wants to vote is going to have to really understand all the new voting changes because if you voted by mail, they're going to knock you off the rolls the second year and you got to apply again for your voting ballot. So they know they're going to lose some people. We have to keep educating. We have to keep educating our voters. We'll keep educating the voters. Because uh, a lot of black and brown people voted by mail. They don't like that. And DeSantis only won by less than 1%. So uh, he's just trying to shave a few points off. If you want change, you got to do what you have to do to make change. You can't talk about it. You've got to be involved to make the change. You can talk all day long. That ain't going to change nothing. But if you're involved, you're volunteering. Yes. If, you, if you're getting, being engaged and bringing other people, say, hey, come with me. Let me give you this experience. And you know what? We have a Democratic Party meeting every month. And we don't have any black people. They show Very few black people show up. And they got the votes. But, but, but you, I've been there. You've been there. Yes. You know the culture. Let's be real. You know what we need is a whole lot of black folks to show up and we can change the culture. <laughs> so, but, but again, those that are empowered now have to also change now the culture and they also need to be going out bringing. Well, you know what? We do have a Democratic Black Caucus and we're working. But you're going to be seeing more Democratic uh, black folks in your neighborhood uh, door knocking. Uh, so uh, let them in and tell your friends that they need to make sure everything is right with their voting status. When election time comes, I make sure I call every one of my family members. Did you go vote yet? Did you go vote? That's Everybody what you got to do that. What you have to do? Everyone who, who knows about the, the process, you be calling every person in their phone, family members. Did you go vote? And call them every day till you say, yeah, I went. And I'm telling you, um... We got a lot of felons out there. They can get their fees paid. True. And they can vote. Hey, Anna, do you have a question? I got a question. Hey, we got a question Does from our engineer. Taxes, is paying taxes the, the equivalent of voting? Because if I don't want to vote, but I pay taxes, do I still not have a say-so? Well, I have a say-so to you press the ballot box. You, you, have a, you have a, you have a say-so per se, paying taxes to your local and, and express your opinion. Okay. But paying taxes and voting, pressing the box... It's your hand to go to the box. But is it the vote that helps build things or is it dollars that helps build things? Well, the vote, the vote builds it because the vote has those people at the table who's going to vote those issues in. Or so stop what are they going to use to build? What are they going to use? Money. Okay. I, I, I just but you see, to... the thing is, the people who are elected, elected. decide where the money, money goes. goes. But I decide to pay the money. Yes, right? but... 
if so you, why, why if you can't in we Tallahassee be on, the same page on that? It doesn't work that way. But why you, can't you, we make it work you, that you, way? You can you you can pay money to whatever. But what I'm saying is, the bottom line is, you have to elect somebody to be your voice. So if you don't vote and you vote somebody and you don't vote, who don't speak what you're speaking? How you gonna get what you want? But who's, I, gonna, who's gonna advocate for you for you for you? I because think everybody you know is speaking in green though. You know what? They have people who actually pay politicians to vote with how they want them to vote. It's called but, lobbyists. But that's money. That is money. It's money. Okay. I, I get what I'm you're trying. I get what you're trying to rationalize with it, but it doesn't equate to the actual facts. It doesn't equate to the actual facts, but it has a lot to do with the actual. Well, money facts. has a, money has facts to do with everything. Okay. Okay. But the mere fact to be able to secure your money to where you want your money to go, you got to have somebody pushing that that that, that issue. To get your voice heard. That's why you have a legislative body, but you have a supermajority of Republicans in the legislature. So you have all these Democrats fighting for your issue that you might have voted for, but they're outnumbered. So no matter what they push for, it ain't going to get passed because they don't want it. And look, you know what they did? They had three ghost candidates in the Florida Senate races. But they paid for that, though, right? And they paid those people money just to jump in the race with similar names. So it's not just the vote. It's the it's vote and the it's monetary vote. power behind the vote. Because we can vote. But if we don't have any money to pay our politicians to oh, vote in the direction you that out-vote. we won't. You can outvote. You know who did who outvoted them? Stacey Abrams. Yeah. She proved that you can outvote oh, them. Without the money. Without, yeah, because the thing is, she got the people mobilized. And that's what we need to do in Florida. We need to mobilize our voters. We need to get her book. <laughs> and so we can outvote the money. We need to get her book. Are we going to break now? We're going to break. She's multitasking. She's uh, asking questions and running yeah. the board, too. <laughs> Here goes the All right. We'll be Welcome to Calvin's Barbershop. You all got to see this. I don't even want to know what you're looking at on that phone. Well, you should. I was learning about the dangers of high blood pressure and that we need to get ours checked regularly. High blood pressure can increase the risk of heart attack or stroke, but this text program can help keep it at a healthy range. Just text Barbershop to 97779 to sign up. I'll get right on it as soon as I'm done with this baby panda video. <laughs> text Barbershop to 97779. A message from the American Heart Association and the Ad Council. It's important to plan ahead for emergencies like the storm when it kicked in we had a plan we were able to get in touch with each other in no time how to find each other the whole experience was fine most frightening 10 hours of my life if there's one piece of advice i'd offer other moms out there it's to stay calm and keep to the plan some parents plan ahead some don't make sure you know where to find your family in an emergency start your plan at ready.gov brought to you by fema and the ad council All right, we are back for our last segment already. Oh wow! With Tampa Bay politics fast, and uh, yes, with the uh, council city councilman Orlando Goods representing Tampa, Florida. What district? Five. Where? Everything happens in five. Five's alive. Everything's okay, happening. what? Where? Where is five? Five starts at the southern portion of Bush Boulevard, which is Sulphur Springs. Goes all the way down uh, to Channel Side, back in the Channel Side. So I have. 
all the way to the east, Grant Park. So I have Grant Park area. I've got Channel Side. I've got downtown. You've I've got, got downtown. I've got a portion of West Tampa. I have Tampa Heights. You know, I have all of East Tampa. My district, everyone knows, even all my council members know, my district is the busiest district. I have the most diverse district. So even though people know we have challenges, I always tell them the fire has been lit in some of the other areas. I've got to light the fire in the middle. It's what I call the donut to fill the middle to get that moving. So those, that's the challenge in five. But we, we got a lot of development, a lot of the housing that's going on. People talk about gentrification. But most of the housing that's been built in East Tampa, almost maybe 95 percent of the people in those houses are black. Really? Oh, yes, they are. Almost 95% of those houses that have been built, new homes in East Tampa, black folks live in. Now, are you um, including in that the the affordable housing that was built downtown? Uh, no, I'm just talking about East Tampa per se. I'm, okay. talking, I'm talking when you, we talk about, when people talk about, when you said gentrification. So downtown okay. is different than, than Channel Side in uh, an area in Tampa and Tampa Heights. But when you look at the middle core where people talked about housing. Yes. And talked about gentrified communities, 95%, I would say maybe even higher, of those houses that were built, black people live in them. Well, that's good news. They, well, they, well, it's right there. They own them. If you notice on my Facebook page, I go around every Saturday looking at the new houses that have been built and taking photos of those houses and the folks that are living in them. Okay. I go around and look at all the dilapidated buildings in East Tampa and notify CRA uh, director and uh, uh, some of our, our real estate department saying we need to be buying these properties. And that's what the CAC and the Neighborhood Association want. Well, the Neighborhood Association wants to start buying property. That is a part of the, the CRA is to buy and immobilize property to, for redevelopment. You look at 29th and Lake. That stuff is dilapidated. I take pictures of that every week. It just makes me cry. Yes. We should be buying all that property, buying up the property on 22nd Street that should have been bought years ago when they redid Belmont Heights Estates. And now that's why you have the issue of this side of of, uh, of, uh, of 22nd versus that side of, of 22nd. Mm. We have to buy property with the CRA dollars, period. And when you buy that, you didn't control the land. You didn't say what development you want and tell those developers, listen, this is my property. We own it. You can land bank, whatever you want to do, but it's my property. This is what I want to see built. And now you build it. Absolutely. Ownership is the key. You have to know the process. And that's the the problem with our community sometimes. We don't know the process, but we'll get out there and raise holy heck and say all these negative things. But you don't know how the process works. I can't do everything. I can try to lead us there. But I have to help help on the end. And when people just being bashing me and bashing me, I don't take it personally. I just say I try to educate them. Like these shows like this, educate people to the process. Yes. And when you know the process, you can help me better. The Neighborhood Association, when they call me, they got my back and say, we understand. We're behind you. Or I call them and say, listen, this is the issue. We understand it. I meet with them. We got it. We got you. They go because they understand what has to be done. We have to get out of this mindset of this poor poverty mindset. We got to get out of a new mindset that we can do anything. We can make anything happen, but we've got to know the process of government to make things move. You know what? There's a lot of cities who are making some headway with that by buying up the property. property. Because if you own it, then you can say that you control control how it becomes developed. You control it. Now, if somebody wants to get hold of... Councilman Goods, how do they do that? 
8189. If we if Sonia, who's my aide, doesn't answer the phone on our on that voicemail, has our email address that you can email us because she checks that email constantly because it comes right up on her city phone or whatever all these devices she has, so we'll see it and respond. So we get again, we get a lot of phone calls. I'm sure a you lot, do. my district, because I got everybody. Uh, uh, you can contact us at uh, Orlando.gudes at tampagov.net or Sonia.henderson at tampagov.net. Again, Orlando.gudes at tampagov.net or Sonia.henderson at tampagov.net. 813-274-8189. And the good news is that all the city councilmen are online. I mean, it's pretty easy to find you guys. Pretty yeah, pretty yeah. Easy. And uh, contact them. But you know what? If you need assistance, let them let your city councilman know. Correct. Because they might like we, we just discussed today. There's programs out there for you. You may not know. There's nobody that can say that they contacted my office and we didn't find a way to make something happen. Okay. I, I, I don't know your situation if you don't let me know. True. You can't go out there and blast me and talk noise. If I don't know your situation, you haven't called my office. Yes. So if you call me, we're going to find a way to make things happen. We, it may not be perfect, but we're going to find a way to make some kind of solution to get something going on. And this is the wonderful thing when you vote and you have someone in office who is willing to help you. Things happen. Things happen. Now, you know what? We're going to have another election. 22. Who's going to be up for election then? Well, city council, nobody. Okay, so there's no city councilman. Nobody so, city but you council. will be able to vote for your board of county commission. Yes, I think they're all. Um, up, all you up will have your governor. Yes, and you're going to have some uh, state, state reps, reps. Some state reps. Mm-hmm. Please do not ignore the election that's coming up in 22. It's very important. Very vital. Very We're vital. going to have primaries. The primaries are so important because a good person may not get through the primary if they if you don't vote for them. Correct. We have, be we have great people getting knocked out in the primary. The governor race is going to be very, very crucial. The governor's race is coming up. Who is governor? Who's going to be our governor? Now, Val Demings might jump in. Charlie Chris is in. I know her and her husband very personal. I know oh. Charlie, too, but I know Val her husband very personal. They're very strong over in Orlando on that I-4 corridor. They're very strong in that corridor. Okay. Her husband's the mayor. First black mayor, I believe, over in Orlando area. He's the mayor over there. Mm-hmm. Was okay. the, he was the elected sheriff at one point as well. And she's got a long history long in law history, enforcement. Long history, yes. I think she did 30 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chief of police in she Orlando. Orlando. That's correct. Uh, Val Demings. And she is one of our Florida Democratic Black Caucus members. You, you, have you ever seen her in Washington? She's, she gives them hell. She gives them hell wherever she goes. <laughs> we love Val. So we're going to have some strong candidates. Uh, Nikki Freed is probably going to jump in. Uh, probably so. Probably so. So, um, let me pack. So let me pack Democratic it's race. It's going to be packed, that Democratic race. So, you got people to choose from. I think they all have a heart for the people. So, um, I'm not a DeSantis fan. I have to say that. <laughs> I have to say that. And I do not like that what they're doing up in Tallahassee because it is affecting our local government. It truly is. What are some, besides apprenticeship, haven't they stepped in, in stuff like trees and environment? Tree and ordinance, environment, um, probably the development community as well. A lot of different uh, areas that they want to put a hold on, uh, local government. So what happens is you guys vote on things, and then what happens? So the affected parties get lobbyists, and they go to Tallahassee, and they lobby those uh, those folks, in, uh, those Republicans in Tallahassee, and 
they didn't come back in committees and bring it out of committees and then goes to another committee and then they vote on it and governor didn't size it. So have they been able to overturn some issues that you were working on? I haven't looked at all the bills yet because they're just coming through. He's just starting to sign some stuff. So I haven't looked at all of them yet. So what happens is these the uh, local government could vote and make a decision, but then they get to Tallahassee and they could have a bill that overrules it. Correct. That it? I see. Correct. I see. So we got to really be careful about who we vote for those state reps. Absolutely. Wow. I mean, that, I mean, this Tallahassee situation is really, really getting on. And they have a super majority. They have a super majority. And, uh, you know, they were behind, they're behind what's going on with the school board. They shouldn't be, they should not be interjecting in local business like that. I think they should be out of that local business arena. But, uh, again, it, it all happens up there. Wow. And, you know, um, they, they're, they're, um, the Board of County Commission is having problems with Tallahassee, too. Everybody's having problems with Tallahassee. <laughs> Everybody. Everybody's having. I mean, it's very, it's a home rule. It's a very, very serious um, issue. I think, you know, again, it comes back to you about money. I think that needs to be uh, a money issue to get an initiative on the ballot to kind of stop that, and, you know, for the voters decide on that. I don't know the parameters around that, but I think that's something you got you got a future yeah, but what 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 all for transportation? We put it on the ballot. The people voted, and they stopped it from Tallahassee. Yeah, but I, that that could have been that could have been handled here locally, my belief, because the charter is clear and the state law is clear. You cannot have a lay board handle government money. That's the rule. So why are you fighting the rule? It should have been okay, Commissioner White. You're right. So you guys have control the money, but can you still have this board to tell you to tell you, you know, or, or advise you where things should go? And then you guys vote on yay and nay. Right. So if you just told the guy he was right, you probably would have had our money by now. Way back in the day. That's just my opinion. OK. It happened in Sarasota. You know, and that's where the rule it started. It happened. The issue happened in Sarasota. So it was already on the books. It had already been ruled that. No lay board could handle money. It had to be the local government. So you just needed to concede. He's right. Let the local board, county commissioners handle the money. Get the money and we move on. It's my opinion. I'm just a guy. Just, just look, well, look maybe at all you facts. should go down there and handle that. You can't handle it now. It's, 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 it's done. That's a dead issue now. It has to go back to the, I think, county commission may try to put it on a rough room to get it back on the board uh, to do what it need to do. But I just think that... <laughs> He hates to say when people were right, but unfortunately, the, the, the guy was right. A layman board cannot handle money. Okay. And that's where your downfall was, period. It just seems like that could have been worked out so the people could have that, got that, their that, transportation dollars too. like that's you what say. I, that's what I say, too. How can we just then say back off and concede to get the money? I don't care who's holding the money as long as we got the money. Why do I care if this layman was... Well, the county commission is the one who has control. The comptroller is, is still controlling the money, which is the, the, the clerk's office. People don't know that the clerk is really holding the money. Okay. The clerk of the court. Clerk of the court. Holds all the money. So what difference does it make? Who's holding the money? We got the money. Yes. They're making it harder for our referendums to be on the ballot now because they we got the money and they didn't like that. 
Told you, it's all about power. It's all about power. Power. Wow. Okay. Well, we know we are wrapping it up, and we are so thankful that City Councilman Goose came by. I appreciate it. We learned a lot. Love that music. uh, (laughs) Love that music. Anna. Anna is our engineer. Listen to InTouchNews.com all week long because we have other shows and great music. I hear it. I hear it. (laughs) All right. See you next time.